possible. Good morning. Please stand for our call to worship from Psalms 139, <laughs> verses 1 through 6. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word um, is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Father, we thank you for this day, that we can come together in this place and uh, come to worship you together as one body. <coughs> Lord, uh, we acknowledge there's a lot going on in our, in our world right now, um, and uh, we just ask that uh, you just help us to, uh, to see you, to see your peace, your hand in, in all of it, uh, even though many things are confu <coughs> and confusing to us. Help us to have faith. Help us to see your hand. Uh, Lord, uh, a lot of things in our own lives uh, keep us from you as well. And uh, we'll just take a moment to pause and lay these before you.
Lord, we are thankful as we come together uh, for the gift of your son whom you sent to die on the cross for us uh, to make us clean. And uh, he presents us to you uh, holy. So that is what we celebrate. Help us to, to come to you and worship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. One, two, three, four, five, six. Holy bride, we 
your church calling us your bride and we thank you for the firm foundation that you set us upon and use us um, to build your kingdom we thank you jesus for being the foundation for being the victor and um, for loving us even though you know all about us so we just thank you for that this morning father we ask for um, a blessing on tom as he brings us your words this week that you would go before and open our hearts to receive um, and to grow further with you this week for our time together. And we ask for an, a special blessing on the children as they go to Hope for Kids. We thank you for the hands and the hearts that have gone ahead to prepare something special for them so they can understand your love today just a little better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. It's good to have you with us. Liz, it's good to see you. <laughs> Are y'all... Uh, okay. All right. You're welcome. Yes. Yes, it was. And uh, yeah, you had all the doctors in the church, like, consulting each other about his condition, so and I'm glad he's well and... Um, yeah. So, several things going on around here you probably should know about. First of all, if you're visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, there's a card stock in your bulletin. Please fill that out. Let us know how we can be in prayer for you and or your family and or your friends at this time. 
Uh, we take those very seriously and actually look forward to taking those needs to God on your behalf, so please communicate those with us. Uh, fill that out, drop it in the bucket on your way out, and we will take it from there. Um, let's see, several things going on around here. There's a Tuesday night Zoom Bible study, 7 o'clock, every Tuesday. Right now, we are going through the core values of Hope Church. Those are grace, truth, community, prayer, teamwork, relevance, vision, and multiplication. And I think the two we're covering tonight, or this week, if I remember correctly, are teamwork and relevance. And so there will be a discussion led by a Hope Church member of those two core values, and there will be some Bible study related to where those values come from in Scripture and what that says to us uh, both individually and as a church. So you're encouraged to zoom in and participate. It's been some good, fruitful conversation thus far. Uh, that at the end of this month, that Bible study will conclude on the 21st. Thank you. And it's good to have a pebby in the crowd. Um, I just work here. I don't know what's going on. I just, you know, I just do what Pebby tells me to do when she tells me to do it, and it all works out. Um, but uh, on the 21st, we will conclude that Bible study, and then we are going to offer a, a more in-depth opportunity for those who wish to participate. Um, we're going to call it What We Believe, and this will be a journey through a uh, leadership training guide that our denomination has produced. It will cover a wide variety of topics, including church history, theology, sacraments, salvation, uh, the church, how the church is supposed to work, um, and then there will be some Bible study augmenting all of that, and that will be on Tuesday nights starting the last Tuesday in September, which would be the 27th, 8th. 28. Did I do this? Okay. Yeah, 21 plus a week of seven would be 28. Yeah, math. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not the Matherson. That's my daughter, Sydney. So, yes. Um, yes, sir. No, th that will be different from the sermon series. So we're going to start a sermon series that same about that same interval, that sermon series will be called Ditched, and it will be an exploration of that feeling when life leaves you with a sense of aloneness or abandonment or neglect or whatever uh, you might fill in that blank with, and we are going to look at characters throughout the Bible who have experienced that feeling uh, and at the same time have had the relationship with God to sustain them and restore them from that place of feeling ditched to that place of knowing their Redeemer. And so we will do that will be our sermon series from the end of September until right up around Thanksgiving where we will flip into an Advent sermon series that will be looking more at the women in the Bible there will be at least one woman in the Ditched series, the regular Ditched series, but then the Advent series will be looking at the women in the lineage of Christ and how they have felt that same sense of isolation or shame or what have you 
and then been carried to their Redeemer uh, by God and His Word and His Spirit. So that will be sort of the, the complement to the Ditched series, will be an Advent series where we look at the, the hope that God offers us uh, when we feel that way. Um, so that's coming up. What else? We are, we are concluding our officer nominations. That's a good thing. We have several wonderfully viable candidates this year. I'm excited about that. Today, at 5, 5.15, something like that, we have our youth group fall kickoff. Everyone is invited. There will be a kickball game. Um, I should probably just call an ambulance and have it waiting because like old people and wet surfaces, those don't get along well. But um, that's going to happen today at 5. Uh, come on up, participate, cheer on your friends, whatever you want to do. But everyone's invited. There'll be some food and some fun. I encourage you to come up for that. Then we are putting together our uh, plans for breaking bread together in each other's homes. These will be smaller groups um, that will be meeting for dinner in October uh, in people's homes. So far, we have one family that's signed up to host. So we're going to have a really big crowd at my house <laughs> that first Sunday in October. But uh, Matt, I'm sure you're up for it. Yes. Um, are you here the first weekend in October? Yes? Are you going fishing that weekend? Okay. All right. Just checking. I just need to know what kind of help I'm going to have. Like, I'm, like, he helps me. That's kind of funny. Anyway. Um, okay. So, what we have done is we've sent out an email for sign-ups for a variety of things, one of which of those is Presbytery volunteers. That's going well. Yes. Today is Sunday the 12th, so a week from today we can start bringing stuff. Okay. So there are things you can do in advance of Presbytery, but... Check out the last church email that we sent out. You should have that in your inbox somewhere or your spam folder or whatever. But uh, click on that and look through the presbytery, the things you can do to help prepare for presbytery. That would be helpful. Then if you are so inclined as to host a dinner at your home in October, there's another link you can click on to sign up to do that. Um, and let me, let me try to explain. If you've already been there and you like freaked out because you saw the number 15, that's a pre-generated field within the Sign Up Genius website. There are 15 slots you could sign up for on any one of those three Saturday nights. You don't need to, you're not committing to 15 people. You're just committing to one slot and you tell us how many people you can handle and then we will send out a subsequent sign up for people who want to participate and come to dinner, and then it'll all work. Trust me, just pick a night that you can host, or wait until, if you can't host, wait until the next sign-up comes out, and then you can pick a night to attend. And attenders will bring, like, a side, a salad, or a dessert, etc. It'll be sort of a mini potluck. That's how it's going to work. What else? 
Men's night coming up September 17th. That's this Friday night here at Hope. Uh, guys will show up around 5. There'll, there'll be some food, some fellowship. They'll, we'll eat around 7, and then you'll leave when you want to after that. So that's coming up Friday night. encourage you to be here for that. Um, what else? I think that's everything. Did I forget anything? I probably did. Okay. Um, <coughs> what's that? If I forgot it, it's because Pebby forgot. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, let me uh, spend some time in prayer. And uh, I'm going to start with a scripture. And, I've, you know, as many of us have been this weekend, I've been reflecting on the 20 years since uh, September 11th, 2001. And I was watching the, um, the, the baseball game, the Mets and the Yankees played a game uh, in New York on Saturday, yesterday, and had like every imaginable first responder uh, represented from New York in that stadium. And it was just a, a time of uh, reflection and appreciation. And I was listening to uh, A-Rod, who's one of the commentators. He's a former baseball player who's now a commentator. And he was talking about all the feelings that he went through on that morning of September 11th in 2001, as we all thought initially that some type of accident had happened. And then the second plane hit, and we realized this is no accident, and that uh, bottom of your stomach falls out and you realize we're under attack and we don't know uh, when this is going to end or how it's going to end. And so I was, I was sort of struck by this, you know, macho baseball player talking about this impressive amount of feelings that he was able to articulate having gone through. And I'm sure he had some help from a writer, you know, in the background somewhere, but I was, I was really struck by his, just the complexity of emotions that he expressed as he was talking about what he went through on that morning. And one of the things that he said that everybody on the panel and my heart echoed with strongly was anger, just how angry I was. Um, and I wanted to, I wanna read this scripture and then lead us in our normal Sunday morning prayer before the sermon to kind of prepare our hearts for God's word. But <clears throat> this passage is a reminder that we are in, we are in the middle of the battle between good and evil. Every day, everywhere we go, that battle is raging. And <clears throat> while anger is common when we experience uh, defeat in that battle, in some occasion of that battle, there are things that God has given us that are far greater forces than our anger, and far greater, far stronger than our fears. And I want to read this passage and just kind of set our hearts here as we reflect on these events over the past 20 years, and then We'll 
I'll pray and we'll move into God's word this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. God our Father, we come before you in the acknowledgement of our frailty as human beings. And we lean into the strength of your presence, the force of your spirit, the rock of our salvation. These sources of strength mean more to us in times of loss. And we are thankful for the grace that is ours. Remind us that our weapons are not anger and we are not to be driven by fear, but rather that you have given us truth and faith and hope, love, peace, righteousness, all of these aspects of the gospel of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ are ours in this battle between good and evil. Help us to wield the sword of your spirit and the sword of your word in our lives, that we may use them to cut through the evil around us and move toward your will, your grace, your love. Father, prepare our hearts this morning for your word, for this is where your word meets our lives, where we are refueled for the battle between good and evil, where your spirit searches out our hearts and teaches us the things that we need in order to grow into the men and women of God that you created us to be. So Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts as we open your word. And we pray this morning for those whom we know and love who are sick, and recovering from medical procedures or facing uncertain diagnoses. We pray your healing mercies where they are needed. We thank you for the progress and healing that you've given to Aiden this week. We thank you for the progress and healing that you've poured out on Joshua Johnson. 
we pray for all of those who are sick that we know and love. We just pray your healing mercies upon them. We lift up our country, our leaders at every level of government elected and appointed. We pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform at every level of our society. We pray that you would watch over them and keep them safe. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way and ask that you would bring them home safely. We lift up those who have returned home from their service changed as a result of their sacrifices they've made for our freedoms. We pray that you would pour out your healing mercies upon them, mind, body, and soul. That you would use us, your church, to minister your grace, your peace, your presence to their hearts. That we would be part of that healing process. And Lord, we lift up all the families who lost loved ones 20 years ago yesterday. On that terrible day, we pray that you would pour out your grace, your comfort, your peace upon their hearts and souls as they continue to grieve and as our country continues to wrestle with this battle between good and evil that we are caught up in. Father, may your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What? If I could have all of the children, fifth grade and younger, come forward. Perfect timing, girls. <laughs> See? I, I told you. It's how it works. Yes. Every time. Thank you. Just you? What do you mean, just you? It's all of you. There's no just here. It's awesome times three. How are y'all doing today? Okay. All right. So you have a really cool activity in Hope for Kids today. Like, I kind of want to just ditch these people and come with you. But I'm not sure it would work for me as well as it'll work for you. You'll see what I mean. But... Um, th I want you to listen to this verse and then tell me what you think it means. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What do you think Paul is saying in that passage? How many parts does your body have? Well, how many hands do you have? Two. How many feet? Two, so that's four. How many noses? One, so that's five. How many ears? 
So where are we, where are we at? Seven. Did we do eyes yet? No. So what's that? Nine. What about chins? I have like three. Okay, so we're at 10. You want to keep going? How many knees you got? Six. All right, what about fingers? Toes? Belly buttons? <laughs> One belt. What are we, where are we at? What are we at? Either 33 or 23. Yeah, I think it's 33 because we did toes and fingers. Okay. Um, do we need to keep going or do you kind of get the point? But how many bodies do you have? Just one. Um, and so God says that the church is kind of like a body, right? So how many churches does Hope have? How many churches are we? One. How many How many? members do we have a lot that make up that one body and God wants us to know two things one that he loves each one of us right individually he loves Zoe but he loves his church that's all, all of us together he loves that body too and that when we are together, we are stronger. Does that make sense? Okay. So if you were going to, we're not going to try this, but if you were going to lift your dad off the ground, could you do it by yourself? Uh, no. Uh, yes. no. If you got like 10 people to help you, could you maybe get him off the ground? Of course, probably. probably. Okay. Maybe. Depends on how cooperative he was being. Okay, so together we're stronger than we are by ourselves. God makes us part of his church because he knows that we need each other, that we need that strength sometimes in life so that on a day when you are sad, there's somebody in the church who's there to show you love and support, right? So that we are given different parts of the life of the church to do so that everyone is blessed, everyone benefits, everyone is stronger because we're part of that one larger body. Together, we're stronger. Who brought the church together? Hmm. God? Yeah. And of course, of course, the answer to any children's chat question can always be Jesus, right? So Jesus gave his life so that we could be part of God's family for how long? Forever, right? And that's what brings us together is the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the way that he showed God's love to us. And he wants us to come together and show that love to others. And together, we're stronger. I think you get it, but you got a great, I'm telling you, it's going to be cool. 
You know why? Because Jen came up. Do you get to eat it? I don't think so. I mean, if I tried it, I would eat it, but not in my tummy, like on my face. Yeah. All right. Can I pray for you guys before you go to Hope for Kids? All right. Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love each one of us, and you also love us as a body, as your church, as your family, that you have called us together because we are stronger when we are together, that your love is the basis for what brings us together, and help us to show your love when we come together in every part of our lives, to our mommies and daddies, to our families, to our brothers and sisters, to our friends, to everyone around us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to show the world that we are stronger when we're together through what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a great time and hope for kids. And having already prayed, we're just going to go into uh, the book of Romans. So, I couldn't resist. It was just such a tempting sermon title. Um, and so, if, if you have no idea what's going on here, we did a, a summer sermon series with our youth group called The Hive. And I had each member of our youth group who wanted to come forward and present with me something that they had studied from Acts chapter 2 and then other scriptures they'd pulled together according to those themes. And we looked at the ways in which a beehive reflect uh, the way God calls us to live together as his church. And we had a good time. It was uh, fruitful, I think. And then we I concluded last week with our resident beekeeper, Jimmy Townsend, and we sort of talked about what, what his interests were and, and explored that as well. And then I was thinking about just how um, discombobulating this past year and a half have been as we've been, you know, first in isolation and then trying to figure out how to safely interact after that point. Um, and, you know, we, we put our children's ministry on hold for several months, for over a year, um, and we finally have felt like it's safe to get that back up and going. And <clears throat> there are other aspects of life at Hope that were just kind of, we had to just stop. We had to just kind of let people come back as they were ready. And um, so here we are trying to kind of reapproach this idea of what we are called to. And I want to be clear when I, when I put this sermon title in front of you, um, there is no one here that I feel like uh, is not pulling their weight or in some way uh, contributing to what God is doing here at Hope. That's not... That's not my point. It's just a fun title. I just couldn't resist. If you get off your thorax, come on. Um, but this is really sort of an exploration of 
why we serve in the church. And we're going to look at it as a, as a call to serve, but really what I want to get to is what's underneath our service. And, well, you'll see, you'll see what I mean by that. But we're going to just explore one passage today out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. And this is a um, sort of a fascinating passage. Paul has spent the previous 11 chapters of the book of Romans uh, laying out the basis of Christian theology. So the underlying uh, bricks of what we believe have just been articulated as fully and thoroughly as you could possibly imagine. And then in chapter 12, Paul turns the corner to start saying, now let's do something with this gift that we've been given, with this grace that we enjoy how are we supposed to respond to all of that? And I'll begin reading in Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So this is Paul's answer to the question, what are we supposed to do with this faith that we've been given, with this gift of grace that God has instilled in our hearts? What are we supposed to do with that? We're supposed to put it into action. We're supposed to express it in our lives, in our church, in the world. So let's begin at the beginning of this passage. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that we are to serve as a way to worship. This is a really important principle that we don't come to serve because we feel obligated to. We come to serve because it's an act of worship. It's an act of expressing our worship of God, our appreciation of who he is and what he has done 
our service is an expression of worship. It's one of the ways that we worship our Creator. Paul is reminding us that we are to be willing to sacrifice, that there is this call to replicate what Christ has done for us in the way we treat other people. So, to look at what Christ did for us is the first component of our call to sacrifice. When I stop and I think about everything that Christ did to to earn my salvation on my behalf and the gift that that has been to my life, it sets the framework for my service. Everything I do is an expression of gratitude. I cannot earn my way into good standing with God. It's not humanly possible. Our good standing with God was earned by Christ. It was given to us as a gift. And therefore, we sit in a posture of gratitude. And that's what our service must flow from, is that gratitude for what Christ has done for us. It gives us a willingness to sacrifice, to look for ways to sacrifice for others. I, I think... One of the things I love the most about hope is when I see people who perceive that someone else is hurting or in need in some way and they spontaneously go out of their way to care for that person. When that happens without any programmed plan, it's beautiful. When it happens with a programmed plan, it's still good. But when I see those things happening, when I see God's people caring for each other instinctively, it is, it's reassuring to me that we are on the right path together, that people are willing to make these sacrifices for each other because we're all in this posture of gratitude. We're willing to sacrifice. And as we are engaged in that willingness to be involved in each other's lives, we are also to be eager to grow. Paul talks about this spiritual act of worship, and then he says, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. It's a really strong statement. How do we know God's will in our lives? Paul tells us here it's by testing. It's by getting out of the place where we are receiving and into the place where we are giving. By being tested, by being forced out of our comfort zone, we grow. We learn. We we probably begin any trial with some sense of fear or hesitation, and then we watch as God moves through that time of testing, and he shows up, and he proves himself faithful, and our faith is strengthened. Our hope is deepened. 
our appreciation for who God is and what he has done and what he's capable of doing grows. To be eager to grow means to redefine our idea of success. We are Americans, for crying out loud. We know what success is. You work hard, you get ahead, and there you go. And God says, no, actually, success is growth through trial, growth through the testing of our faith. That's what makes us the people that God wants us to become. And so we are, in a way, eager to be set back. I know that sounds crazy, but these are the ways in which God reshapes who we are, what our priorities are, and teaches us time and time again that he is faithful. So we redefine our idea of success, for one example, would be instead of getting myself ahead, how can I serve someone else and move them farther along the path of God's will? How can I be of service to others is a redefinition of that idea of success. And as we are eager to grow, we go through trials And over time, we move closer and closer toward what God wants from us. God's will is a funny thing. So, take any trial that you've been thrust into, right? It's probably not something that Uh, that God said, I want to make her go through H-E double hockey sticks. He doesn't have to will that upon us. We will go through these trials anyway in this fallen world. God's will shows up when we're in that trial and we seek him and we open ourselves to what he is doing and we discover that in the face of tragedy, God does his best work. He is alive, he is moving, he is working. And, and September 11th is a, is a powerful example of that. The, the evil that visited our nation and the good that emerged from it, the the human response of, of care and compassion and movement and service to work together towards bringing this nation out of that dark day. So that, my argument would be, is where God will, God's will shows up. It's not just in the trial, but in the movement towards what is right and redemptive out of that trial. And when we find ourselves there in that place where God is bringing good out of the face of evil, then we know we're in his will. We are blessed to see him working in those ways. And so the first thing that Paul tells us in this passage is that we are to serve as a way to worship. Then he moves in verses 3 through 8 to teach us 
that we serve as a way to use our gifts, that God has given each one of us a set of blessings and capabilities that we are to put into action for the sake of others. And Paul begins this exploration of the use of our gifts with a call back to humility. Why is this important? Because not all gifts are equal. They're not equally visible. They're not equally impactful. They're not equally obvious. But everyone whom God has gifted is of equal value and of equal importance in his kingdom. And so Paul says that if we are to serve as a way to use our gifts, our first step is to serve in humility, to never think that what I bring to the table is better than what someone else brings to the table. And humility allows us to spread God's grace and exercise our faith at the same time. By putting ourselves in the proper perspective, we serve and we understand that this is all a function of God's grace. And our faith is strengthened as we see multiple people contributing in their own ways to make something better than what we could do by ourselves. And so we serve in humility and we are to serve in harmony. Here's what I want you to do, and this is one of the things I love about hope. I want you to serve in ways that give you energy. I say that, and I also, at the same time, I realize not every time you serve is going to give you energy, right? There are days where your service is, what's the right word? Draining. <laughs> Why were you so quick? I don't know. Um, but the point is that there are things that you are naturally good at that are native to who you are. Did you catch that? All right, that was for the peanut gallery back there. Um, those are the things that when you put them into service for others, instead of being drained, you get energy from, using, from serving in ways that you are gifted and inclined to serve. To serve in harmony with others, you are called to do what you're good at. That should be your major point of contribution. So whatever that is, do that primarily. And then there may be some other things you do just because nobody else is doing it or it needs to be done or you want to fill that gap. And it's not something that's naturally life-giving to you, but it's important. So to serve in harmony means that you primarily do what you're good at and at the same time, you seek to be a blessing for others. You serve to take stress or strain off of someone else. You do it not for yourself, but for someone else. So we serve as a way to worship. We serve as a way to exercise our gifts. And we serve as a way to actively love. This is ultimately what service is. 
It's an expression of love, of our love for God and our love for his people, our love for each other. Paul reminds us that service is about putting others first. Here's my, here's my self-help book right here. If you are hurting, not doing well, um, confused, angry, whatever, get your focus off of you. Do something for someone else to be a blessing to someone else and your internal condition will improve. It won't fix you. That's not really doable in this lifetime. I've tried and I'm giving up on all of you. You're just a mess, <laughs> right? You're just like me. Um, but when we serve, when we get out of ourselves and into service of others, our spirits are lifted. Our focus is off of our problems and onto solutions for others. And it may not change the, the reality of your circumstance, but it will change your perspective on things. When you are used to be of service to others, you will actually feel better about yourself. And so, put others first, and Paul reminds us to be genuine and to be affirming. Let me reread verse 10 for you. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. There's a contest. Hey, we're Americans. We like a competition. Try that one. Try to beat everyone else at honoring other people, at putting others before yourself. When we do this, when we're all doing this, it's really easy to get along because we're not focused on what I think. I'm focused on who you are and affirming that in the context of God's family. We love others by putting them first, being genuine, being affirming, and then we are to be contagious. That is this idea. Look at what Paul does in verses 11 through 13. He tells us to be energetic, hopeful, patient, prayerful, generous, and hospitable. That's quite a list. And I'll go back to the beginning this comes from looking at what, at what Christ did for us. When I look at the generosity of God and what he gave us through his son, Jesus Christ, when I look at how patient he is with me, at the hope that he has set before me, at the zeal with which he pursued me in his love, I then have the capability to show these things to others. I love this call in verse 12 to be constant in prayer. I don't do that very well. Just going to go confession. Okay? But again, when I do, when I get reset through prayer, I'm in a better place. 
And prayer is a really weird thing, right? Because you're not going to tell anything to God that he doesn't already know. And yet he knows that the best thing for me is to stop in the middle of, of the insanity of my day and pray. To reorient myself away from whatever's going on toward him, toward his love, toward his will. That I can do this, as Paul says, in a constant way. That I can be of service to others at any point in any day by stopping and praying. Or not stopping. Right? It's constant in prayer. So that all of what I do becomes more prayerful, if that makes sense. So, normally, when I do a sermon on using your gifts, we have a ministry fair set up in the other end of the building, and I send you in there to go sign up for things. We're going to do it virtually this time. So, sometime today, around noonish, you will get an email. And it will have sign-ups. Let me just show you some of the things that we can do. Um, these are on a once-a-month basis. This isn't everything. This is just some of the things. But since COVID hit, how many people are on our coffee rotation, Pebby? That would be one. One person on our coffee rotation since COVID hit. And, and here's why. Like, everybody had to stay home for two and a half months. And then it was just a few people, and there was no way to know who was coming, who wasn't, and someone who has, hello, is that me? I didn't do it. Um, but everybody's awake now, so there you go. Um, someone who has the gift of service was like, well, I'm up anyway. I like being at the church building, so I'm just going to make coffee. So I got coffee when I came to church. Even when there's an empty building, I got coffee because you're awesome. All right. Um, so just an example, once a month, you could sign up, come in early, make coffee. Uh, you could be a greeter at our entry door. You could volunteer in our nursery. We have to have two people, two adults in there at any given time, and so each Sunday to staff the nursery, we need two of you. Um, you can do that once a month. You can learn how to run projection. How many people do you have on the projection rotation currently, Pebby? Three, okay. So we could use one and a quarter more, right, for four Sundays and then the fifth Sunday at least. Um, soundboard. Who is that back there? Scott? How many soundboard techs do we currently have? Four-ish. We could use one more-ish. Okay. And then Zoom. Jeff, how many people do we have that can run Zoom? <laughs> Everybody. Hey, if Jeff Kale can run Zoom, anybody can run Zoom. No, Keith Rumbo, don't do Zoom. Mm -mm. No, Keith wants to take our digital ba soundboard back to an analog soundboard with just the knobs. He likes it old school. Yeah. Um, but, Jeffrey, we got 
how many? Maybe two or three that run Zoom. Some can do both. Um, you could do that. You can be trained to do that. Um, you could be a teacher's assistant in Hope for Kids. So a couple Sundays ago, we had so many kids in Hope for Kids, and this isn't going to be every week, but we had like eight or more, and some of them were little bitties, and the teachers needed extra bodies to help out. So you could do that once a month. Uh, you could make a meal for youth group. That'll be in the sign-up. Uh, something that we need is someone to be a, so a manager for our social media to just keep us current, mostly on Facebook, um, with what's going on and updating that. So there will be an email that will go out later today with all those opportunities on it. Um, I am excited about what we will become as we emerge from this past year and a half. We have the opportunity to be a source of light and hope in this world, to be a, a place of healing and grace uh, like we've always been. And I'm excited to be a part of it. And I'm excited to have you be a part of it. I love what God does here at Hope. I love you, and I appreciate your service. Um, it is a blessing to be a part of God's family. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word, for the gift of being a part of your family, for your call for us to worship you through service, to exercise our gifts, and to demonstrate love to others through service. Lord, lead us into what lies ahead. Help us to read your will correctly by stepping into service and sacrifice for the sake of your name. Thank you for what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, and help us to replicate that grace in the way we treat others. Thank you again for your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we
Nice job, guys. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Carl Trim. I'm one of the elders here um, at Hope Church. And this is our time of offering. This is when we, not only do we gather and offer of ourselves, but it's a time that we reflect on the word that was given today. Um, we don't pass the plate here. We feel that giving is a personal thing between you and God. But we do have a large bucket in the back that we'd like to see filled up. So whatever we can all do to do that, that'd be great. But this hit home to me. This message hit home to me. Every time I pull in this parking lot, there are things that I take for granted. The grass is going to be mowed. The lights are going to be on. You guys are going to present a beautiful message in praise. I take that for granted. I know, and I thank you, and I thank you for encouraging me to practice and the blisters and the things on my fingers that when I do at home because I'm too nervous to get up here and do it in front of everybody else. But it's the little things that we take for granted, that there's going to be coffee in the back. I don't know who does that, but I thank you for doing that. That someone's going to greet me at the front door, shake my hand and say, welcome to Hope. I take that for granted. It takes individuals to create a community. And I see a lot of individuals here and at home. But one of the most powerful things that you can do for anyone is pray. So if you can't help in any other way, pray for someone. Pray for someone you know that needs prayer. But if you're capable of, capable of any of the things that he put up on that list that needs help, and, and I'm capable, I just, I'm lazy. I don't get off my thorax. But it, it hit home with me today. So I thank you for that. So as the music plays, think about what you can do. Not, what, not that we have to do, because we don't have to, obviously. But what can we do to be a part of this community? Not just here, but out there too. Father, you want us to be the body of Christ. You want us to be involved in spreading your message. And there's so many ways of contributing to spreading that message. Father, I just pray that you give us the, the desire to be a part of that community, to reach out and help someone, do for others, not just be an individual. And just let us realize all the things that we take for granted and uh, move on those on those actions father we love you for giving us the just giving us the the ability to gather here in your name and listen to beautiful music and praise you father not everyone in this world can do that and i just thank you for allowing us to do that here and we love you and we praise you in jesus name Will you stand and let's uh, finish our time together in worship?
Praise God. Amen. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, the Bible says. You are the children of God. You have been given the weapons of the kingdom of heaven to wield in this world in the battle between good and evil. You've been given weapons like faith, hope, Love, prayer, patience, gratitude, that you might manifest God's grace, not just in your own heart, but in the lives of others as you serve and express and worship God in this world. One of those weapons that God sends with you into this world is his blessing to give shape to who you are, to how you live. Will you open your heart this morning and take his blessing with you from this place? Let it fill you and go with you into the week ahead. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace.